a desert planet with twin suns. His name is Boba Fett. Boba Fett? Where? I am Boba Fett. Welcome back to Twin Sun Talks, folks. I'm your host, Jonah Liu, and welcome to our very first Book of Boba Fett review. It's a very exciting day, and this is actually going to be our last episode of 2021, so it's kind of crazy. This year has gone by very fast. We started this podcast earlier in the year, and I can't believe that we're about to, to turn the page on the calendar. Uh, and so before we get into the episode, I just want to say that in January of 2022, so in just a few days, I'm going to be starting a 31-day Star Wars challenge on my Instagram page. So if y'all would like to follow us and kind of partake in that, I'm going to be encouraging all of my followers to comment uh, their answers to each day, like day one's favorite character, day two's favorite movie, all of that stuff, uh, just to kind of help my followers get to know me a bit better Go ahead and follow uh, at Twin Sun Talks on Instagram. And yeah, just uh, to kind of keep up with everything uh, that's going to be coming out the next month or so. Uh, so just wanted to promo that. Uh, but other than that, let's dive into I Have Spoken. I Have Spoken. So for those of you who are new to my reviews and breakdowns, basically what I do is I go through a quick non-spoiler review, give ample spoiler warning, and then go through a breakdown followed by my full spoiler review, and then at the very end, some theories. So, uh, like I said, I'm going to be starting with my non-spoiler review, and then if you haven't watched the episode yet, you can go ahead and pause this, go watch it, come back. This will still be here. I don't want to give any spoilers, but my non-spoiler review is that this is a fantastic episode. It's understandable that people may complain that it's too short since we're only getting seven episodes this season, but I don't think that it detracts from the quality that we got at all. It was clean, fresh, yet nostalgic, and it got me really excited for the rest of the show and did exactly what it needed to to get its audience properly oriented. All in all, it's a great episode, and a great first taste of what I'm sure will be an amazing show. Alrighty, so that's my non-spoiler review. That's about all that I feel like I could say without giving stuff away. So from this moment on, there are going to be spoilers. Spoiler, 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 spoiler. Go away if you don't want spoilers. Okay, let's go. So kind of like I was doing at the end of the Bad Batch Season 1, I'm going to be doing this where it's like just kind of pointing out little Easter eggs and uh, things of significance rather than just doing a full scene-by-scene -scene breakdown and summary. Um, so I'm just going to be hitting the uh, most important beats of the show. So first of all, Bacta. I feel like this is something that I haven't really talked too much about and something that uh, we should probably address. But Bacta is a viscous liquid with healing properties. We see Luke submerged in, back, in a Bacta tank after the Wampa attack in Episode 5, Empire Strikes Back. And Boba is seen in a similar healing pod in this episode. And so Bacta is basically like a healing plant which can be condensed into a liquid. And uh, beings can be uh, submerged into that liquid and it essentially accelerates the healing process of uh, whichever species is in that uh, particular pod. And so that's that's what Bob is using to uh, presumably heal from his time in the Sarlacc pit. Um, while he's in the Bacta tank, we see him 
uh, having some flashbacks. And this, I, this got me super excited right off the bat because we see flashes of his past and we get to see Kamino. We haven't seen Kamino in live action since Attack of the Clones. We never revisited it. We've seen it a bit in Clone Wars, but we got to see the actual, the raging seas of Kamino. We got to see the Slave One parked on one of the landing platforms and it got me so very excited. And then we got to see Boba as a young boy in the Ocean Arena holding his father's helmet, um, which is so heartbreaking. But at the same time, it got me so excited because I think that we might get some Django content if I had to guess, because it seems like we're diving into some of these these dreams and these these flashbacks that he's having. So if we got some Django content, that would be fantastic. Um, and lastly, we see Boba escaping from the Sarlacc pit. Now, before Mando season two, the last we saw of Boba was him falling to his alleged death in the Sarlacc pit. And this show we get to see his escape. And there's been a couple explanations for his escape in Legends, but those aren't technically canon, meaning they don't technically exist in this timeline. That's like the official timeline that Disney is setting up. Um, so so we, we actually get an answer for it in canon now, which is awesome. And we get to see Boba's resourcefulness and quick thinking by using the Stormtrooper's oxygen supply that is also in the Sarlacc pit, which I thought was awesome. You get to see uh, how effective he is in kind of tense situations. And the hand emerging from the sand gave me chills. It's like everything that I think every Star Wars fan has wanted to see for a very long time now. And then you get to see the Jawas take his armor, and I think that that makes a lot of sense. It shows how weak he is after the experience in the Sarlacc pit. And I think that the makeup department outdid themselves, making Tamora look legitimately close to death. Like, you can see how sickly and pale he looks after being in the Sarlacc. Like, it, it's really, it's pretty, it's pretty freaky. And then... I'm going to be talking about the Tuscans, but there's so much to talk about. I'm going to do that at the very end of this segment. Um, moving on, Boba is a noob. So back in the present, we learned that Boba doesn't really know what he's doing as far as being a crime lord goes. He kind of wants to adhere to a more humble philosophy than the elite of Tatooine tend to, where they kind of get paraded around as like almost deities. Um, to be worshipped, whereas he's like, no, I'm gonna walk around on my own two feet. I'm not some, I'm not nobility, basically. I'm just a simple man. And this mindset could cost him the respect of his rivals, and Fennec knows this. And it's a super interesting dynamic to see him kind of play out in his mind. Um, so I think that there are a lot of super interesting characters that have been introduced so far, um, including the captains of Jabba's old, or Jabba's old captains that used to work for him whenever he was in charge. Um, I'm very interested to see their roles moving forward because we haven't really seen that side of Jabba's operations. So a little more information about that's going to be super cool. The mayor and his major domo seem to be like fairly significant players in this show. The major domo has a sort of infuriating confidence and kind of obvious disrespect towards Boba and his uh, inexperience as a crime lord. Um, and also, the mayor is the mayor of Mos Espa, which is where a lot of this episode takes place. And Mos Espa is actually, it was first seen in The Phantom Menace and is the city on Tatooine where Anakin Skywalker grew up as a slave to Watto. 
Um, so that's just a cool little tidbit. You get to see kind of how it's grown in the years uh, since the Phantom Menace happened. Um, other thoughts, Fennec is awesome. Can't get enough of Ming-Na Wen. Uh, she plays an interesting role of the realist, uh, kind of juxtaposed to Boba's apparent optimism. Um, her chase with the attackers showcased her skills in such a cool way. I think that her quick and fluid motions are super cool. Once again, juxtaposed to Boba's kind of heavy, hard-hitting moves. Um, I think that she's an awesome character, and I can't wait to see more of her. Uh, the Twi'lek Lady, Garsa Whip. Um, she seems like she's going to have a good amount of influence. Um, and just, I don't have too much to say about her. But first of all, it doesn't seem like she's taking Boba all that seriously. And second of all, the cantina music in her little bar is kind of like almost like a remix of the original cantina song from the one that we see in Moss Eisley in A New Hope. Um, and it's kind of interesting because this cantina seems to be like a high-end cantina with relation to that one, where it's like the people in this one are a little more fancy, a little more high class than the scum and villainy of Moss Eisley. And also, of course, I can't not mention that Max Rebo returns for a little cameo at uh, Garza Whip's Cantina, where, um, and he's the kind of the blue guy that looks like an elephant, don't remember the species name, but, um, but he is seen in Return of the Jedi uh, playing for Jabba in a band, and so this is just a cool little cameo to see uh, sprinkled in as well. Uh, the Gamorreans. This is a super interesting thing because we actually got to see them as competent warriors and they weren't pitted against unfair opponents like Mandalorians or Force users where they kind of get taken out like they're nothing. You actually get to see that there's a reason that the Huts hire them. There's a reason that they are kind of renowned warriors and bodyguards for these prestigious individuals like the Huts. Um, and I think that, that was super cool and I think that it's, it's, it's cool that John and Dave are incorporating Gamorreans a little bit more, kind of like we saw in um in Mando season two as well when they were gladiators. So moving on to the Tuscan Raiders, and this is gonna be a bulk of what I have to say. Their brutality is on full display in this episode. And you can really see why Shmi Skywalker was in such bad shape in Attack of the Clones episode two when Anakin found her in the Tuscan camp. I mean they have very little remorse for their poor treatment of outsiders. Uh, and then seeing Boba's continued resilience in captivity is super cool and very on point for his character because he's a survivor. I mean, he's uh, he was orphaned at a very young age when his father slash donor was killed. And then he just kind of had to find his own way in the galaxy with very little help uh, from anyone of, of honorable backgrounds. I mean, like, they're a bunch of bounty hunters and kind of people that only look out for themselves. And so he kind of learned how to look out for himself and you really see that side of him when he's in the Tuscan camp. Um, the scene where he's being dragged behind the Bantha train was extremely well done. You can just feel how miserable he is and how like between the sandstorm and the, the sons of Tatooine, how brutal that entire experience must have been. And I think that Tamora performed it wonderfully. I think that it was it was super, super well done. And the addition of the Tuscan child and his sort of like coming of age storyline where you can kind of see that he's giving a little, getting a little more responsibility where he's kind of handling the prisoners and stuff like that. I thought that was super cool and it was a cool little glimpse into Tuscan customs. And I really enjoyed the nuance that we've gotten 
uh, around the Sand People between this show and The Mandalorian. It makes them a little more, not really human, but it kind of humanizes them a little bit, making them more than just like animalistic brutes, kind of like we see them in the movies. Uh, their fixation on water is a cool addition. Uh, I know that in the Kenobi book, which is Legends, they, they have a very strong fixation on water, and obviously they're living on a desert planet, so it's, it's a very valuable resource, and they almost worship it. Um, they, they don't like the settlers because they think that their method of obtaining water as moisture farmers is, is unnatural and not and against the natural order. And so uh, I think that it's cool that they're incorporating a little bit of that into these shows. And I'm not entirely sure what the creature, the six-armed, six-limbed creature was that kind of emerged from the sand. I thought it was a crate dragon at first, but it wasn't. I'm not entirely sure what it was, but um, Boba straight up Princess Leia'd it. Like, and if you don't know what I mean, Princess Leia wrapped a chain around Jabba's neck, and that's actually how she killed Jabba the Hutt, was by strangling it, just like Boba did. Um, and so that, that was super cool as well. As for my spoiler review, uh, I don't have too much extra to say from the uh, from my non-spoiler review, but I thought the music is really great. Ludwig Göransson is fantastic. Um, I I just I think that he does such a great job of emulating kind of the vibe that uh, John Williams gave to the original Star Wars while adding in his own modern flair. Um, it provides a sort of Western vibe, but in a more ancient way than The Mandalorian does. It feels almost like tribal, which is cool, um, especially with like the tie-ins to the Tusken Raiders, and they're a little more primitive and stuff like that. It's awesome. Uh, you get to see the brutality of Tatooine and just like how harsh of an environment it is to live between like the civilized areas and the uncivilized areas. Just across the board, it's a super, super tough place to live. Um Tamora Shines, I think that I saw far more range from him than I've ever seen in any of the other projects that I've seen him working in. Uh, and I think that that's super comforting. I think that that's uh, a very exciting thing moving forward, especially if he's going to be playing multiple characters if other clones get brought in. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself there. Um, and I loved the use of practical effects. And it, it kind of put us back in that original trilogy vibe, and I loved it. It felt so much like Star Wars and just kind of put me right back into that time period. And it just, it was so refreshing and so, so awesome. And it wasn't that I wasn't excited for this. Like, I wasn't not excited. But I just didn't know what to expect because the promotions for this were, were super vague, which I kind of liked, but at the same time, there wasn't too much hype for me. But I can definitively say that I'm not at all disappointed and very, very excited to see what else this show has for us moving forward. Um, so that's about all that I have for I Have Spoken. Um, if this was your first time listening, this is I obviously I Have Spoken is kind of my review segment. And now I'm going to be moving into Visions, which is my theory segment. To continue, we need one singular vision. My vision. Alrighty, so if you want to hear about a lot of characters that I think are going to show up uh, in this series, you can go back to my previous episode, episode 58, um, and I kind of go through all the things that I think you can expect from this show. It's a lot of speculation, but I go through a lot of different characters that I think are going to show up. I'm going to be mainly talking about characters um, 
that I think are going to show up based on what we saw in this episode, but I don't think that this episode really disproves any of the other characters that I think might show up. Like, I'm not really going to talk about Mace Windu or many of the specific bounty hunters that I think might show up, but um, if if I'm given a little more thought or given more reason to think that they might show up in this season, I'll obviously address that in future reviews and breakdowns, but um, but as of, as of right now, I'm just going to kind of stick to what we saw in this episode. Um, first of all, the attackers that attacked Boba and Fennec in Mos Espa, I'm guessing that they probably work for the mayor, um, and they were probably kind of sent to kind of test his, his grit and see if he really held up to, uh, to his reputation. Uh, Boba probably has some long-lasting effects from the Sarlacc. I'm guessing that it has some sort of, uh, toxin in its, uh, saliva or its digestive fluid that has kind of poisoned him almost and that's why he needs the Bacta so much um he's probably learned to survive and fight from the Tuscans as we see their leaders share water with him which is no small gesture from the Tuscans like I said in legends they kind of worship water because it's so scarce on a desert planet like Tatooine um and so the fact that the Tuscans shared his water with him first of all acknowledges that he knows that the young Tuscan isn't the one that defeated the creature it was Boba and second of all, it shows that he has immense respect for him now. Um, next up, I'm not entirely sure what the mark that the bandit sprayed onto the farmer's building. So we see whenever Boba's going out into the desert with the young Tuscan and the Rodian, we see them stumble across uh, some raiders, not Tuscan raiders, but just regular raiders. They're Nikto, and they were raiding a, a moisture farmer's farm. And they were spraying some sort of graffiti on the walls and it's kind of unclear what that mark was, but I did do a little bit of digging and it vaguely looks like an Arabish T. Arabish was the kind of alphabet system that was used in Star that's used in Star Wars. It looks like a T. Now bear with me a little bit. It looks like a T. Jabba's last name was Tyur. T I U R E. So this could be the mark of his son Rhoda because he would be Rhodotayor since he's his son. Uh, that's a very far reach, because it doesn't exactly look like an Arabish tea, but, I mean, I think that it could be. But that's just a bit of a reach, and uh, my way of kind of incorporating that Rhoda could come back in this show. Uh, I think that we're going to see some of Boba's old bounty hunting buddies uh, come back as hunters hired by his rivals to kind of take him out. The addition of the Trandoshan boss is not a coincidence, and I'm guessing they're linked to Bosk in some way. Um, Bosk being the Trandoshan bounty hunter that was one of Boba's allies back during the Clone Wars and uh, also during the Imperial era. Uh, I get the vibe that Cad Bane will probably be the main antagonist who may get hired by the mayor to take Boba out. Um, he has a history with both Boba and Fennec, as I've I, I kind of talked through his history with Boba in my previous episode where they kind of had a duel. They were kind of rivals back in the Clone Wars era. Um, and Filoni made a point to bring him back in the Bad Batch show and pin him against Fennec. So I think that they're setting up a good history with these characters to create some real tension in this show. And I, I would be very surprised if he didn't show up uh, for at least like maybe a little bit, and I. But if I had to guess, he's going to be a pretty significant player moving forward in the show. 
Um, my guess is that the next episode will revolve around Jabba's old captains and the mayor being put in contention with Boba. And then at the very end, we'll see them hiring uh, bounty hunters to kind of all, all respectively uh, to, to take out Boba. Um, and I, I'm super excited. I think that this is shaping up to be a really interesting show. And uh, I can't wait to hear y'all's thoughts on it about it as well. If y'all find anything that I missed, feel free to email me, twinsuntalks at gmail.com or DM me on uh, Instagram at twinsuntalks. Comment on YouTube, twinsuntalks podcast. Um, any of those things, reach out. I'm always happy to uh, take those sorts of uh, corrections and stuff like that. But that's about all that I have. Uh, once again, if you're new to these reviews, I don't do mores on these. Uh, this is just strictly reviews. I save the mores for my other episodes. Um, but I hope that y'all enjoyed this. This is my first review in a while. Uh, it feels good to be back. And I'm super excited about this show, and I hope y'all are too. Uh, until next week, um, yeah, that's about all that I have. You've taken your first steps into a larger world. May the Force be with you, and I will see y'all in the next episode. Bye, friends. Oh, Happy New Year as well, because I won't see y'all until, I won't have another episode until January, so. Um, happy New Year, taking your first steps to a large world. See you later, Regs.